Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord, church. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's such a, a, such a privilege to be here. I'm so, so excited to, to share the word with you. As you just heard, my name is Eduardo Ferguson, and I bring some pictures with me so you can uh, meet a little bit. That's, that's my family. That's my wife, Edna, and my daughter, Emma. See, the third one was on our wedding. That's the most uh, a recent one, the three of us in December, and yeah, we're back. <laughs> so yeah, and I want to show you where we're at, okay? That's our country, Colombia. And go ahead, the next one, getting closer, like the northern part of the country, it's called La Guajira, like the state. And Rio Hacha, oh, oh I mean the, the last one, the other one, it was the one before, yeah. It's right there in a circle. That's where we live. It's called Rio Hacha. Okay? So the next one is just a picture of our city. It's a little bit like that. Yeah, we have like 300,000 people. I put there some of the challenges that sometimes we, we face. There's a lot of Roman cattle system, prosperity gospel going on. And we've been trying to serve a lot of uh, Venezuelan that are migrating because we're so close to the border, Venezuela. So we try to serve them well. And I'm going to show you a little bit of our church. That's uh, our logo, our name, Vida en Su Palabra, that stands for life in His Word. And then that's where we, where we met. Yes, and this is our people, some of our people. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is my fellow welder, Andres, and his, and his wife, and their two kids. This is pre-COVID pictures. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, that's us there sharing. And the next one, I think I p this is a. <laughs> that's how we do it now. Yeah. So, it, and this is uh, something I wanted to share with you that when our church was three years old, our church is now uh, six years old, uh, we have, there's another city three hours when, uh, from where we are. It is called Valledupar. It's a bigger city. So there was a group of people that they were looking for, for church, for a sound church, and they uh, find us like in the directory of the Spanish Gospel Coalition website, and they say, okay, guys, we wanna, we're looking for a church, but we were like, okay, we're three hours away, we're a small church, we don't have the resource to do anything, but we say, okay, we need to do something for these brothers. So we started to go there like every Sunday, we take a bus and go there three hours, my fellow welder go one Sunday, I did the next Sunday, and we start doing that. And praise God, we were able to plant the church doing that. Yeah. So that was, so this is the name of the church in, in Valledupar. It was planted in 2016. It's called, uh, his, his word is through uh, church. Uh, they have some pre-COVID pictures there also from the, the guys in Valledupar. And this is in 2019. This was the most of the exciting moments that we gathered because we were able to ordain their, their pastor. Wow. So that was so, so, so encouraging. So there's me and Andres, there's Pedro, the pastor, and one of the, of the deacons. So, yeah, we, we praise God that we were able to do that. And this is some of the things I do, like the translation and, and conferences and all that. I wanted to show you a little bit. Yeah, that's the only time that I wear a suit, you know, is for those... <laughs> 
for those kinds of events. So yeah, I want to share a little bit that uh, with you. So I always tell that I get nervous when I'm uh, preaching in English because this is actually my third time doing it. So be patient with me. I know, though, but you're doing right. No, no, it's going it's to be, you'll see. So uh, let's pray. Let's our, ask the Lord to help us since when we dive in, in his word. Father, we, we thank you. We, we praise you. We, we are excited to hear your word. It, uh, that's our heart every time we came, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, that we're not here listening to a man, but we'll listen to our Creator. We'll listen to the God of the universe. We'll listen to your word. So let us, us everybody, everyone here, be eager to receive from you and have a heart to obey you and to see the glories of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we see in, in the scriptures that, that God wants to, to, to extend his kingdom. He wants to reach people. I mean, since Adam and Eve, he, he, he gave them this, this mandate to, to uh, multiply, to fill the earth. And when God chose Israel, they told, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing you for, for you to be light uh, for, the, for the other nations. So we see that uh, the great commission that the Lord gave us. I mean, we see in Holy Scripture how the Lord wants to just... Uh, reach people, expand his name. And one of the reasons we are safe, we are told in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So part of us being Christians, and we kind of know that, is that we, uh, we are safe to proclaim our, our Lord. But sometimes we think, okay, Pastor, see... Uh, it's so hard already to live the Christian life. I barely read my Bible. I barely pray. I'm a stroller. And you want me to share the gospel with people? Come on. Well, let me tell you, that's part of our Christian life. That's part of our devotional life. That's something that the Lord uses to, to sanctify us. It, it, it's part of, of, of the reason why he saved us. So, yeah, well, one of the other things that I will tell my people is well, our, our, our main problem is that we have this sense of self-preservation all the time. So when we are with people, we don't want to make things uncomfortable. You see? So I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to make people feel weird. But we forget that we have the privilege, as imperfect and weak as we are, to be participants of the mission of God, to reach people. That's so exciting when I, when I think about that. You see? Because I know myself, and I know you know yourself. But the fact is that the God, God, the creator of everything, he has chosen to, has a means. Yeah, he has chosen to use you and me to participate in his mission. Because it's his mission. It's not ours. So it, it is our privilege to participate in that. So you've been in this series in the books of, series in the books of Acts, and uh, probably one of your pastors already told you how Acts 1.8 Give us like what's going on in, in the whole book. So Acts one eight says, "But you will receive power with the Holy, uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." So we see our Lord Jesus Christ telling to his, to his disciples, "You're gonna receive power, and you will be my witnesses." So 
the, the, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit coming to us is to make us witnesses. And, and I think we don't think about that a lot. I mean, we think about the Holy Spirit and, and, and you know, when we think about the gifts and, and, and all the wonderful things that the, the Scripture tells us. But we forget this, that what changes the disciples of, uh, to make them, and, and make them so bold to share was the Holy Spirit. We need it. You remember what, what Peter did. He denied the Lord three times in front of a young, uh, a young lady. But after Pentecost, oh, when the Holy Spirit came, he stand up and preached to 3,000 and 5,000 people. What will that make the difference? It's not because he just, oh, okay, I, I now have all figured out. No, it was the Holy Spirit in him. And we need it. And we not only need it, we have access to him. We have access to him. Uh, uh, everyone of, that is here, that is a Christian, we get that promise from, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. That if we believe in him, if we are united to him, that we are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. So, our text for today is uh, Acts 13. Okay, so it's a long chapter. So we're not going to be covering like all the details because there's a lot going on there. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for that <laughs> chapter. Uh, and uh, so <laughs> this is uh, Paul's first missionary journey, and we're going to see that he makes three stops in different places. And what we're going to do today is pretty simple. We're going to look what happened in, in every one of those stops, and, and we're going to get some uh, encouragement to participate in the mission of God. So let's read Acts 13, 1 to 3. It said, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Neher, Lucius of Cyrene, Manahan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we start seeing this meeting. They were worshiping the Lord and they were directed to uh, uh, lay their hands and send Barnabas. And, so, and, and what it got my attention there is, you see, that they didn't send themselves. That's, I think that's very important. The Lord sent them, and he used the church to send them. So I think we've seen a, a, an important pattern here, you see. Uh, so the church sent them, and we have the first stop. Okay, we, we have this, the first stop in this missionary journey. It's Paul and Barnabas in Cyprus, I think. I don't know how to make, uh, pronounce those, those names in English anyway. So... Verse 4, it says, so, being sent out by who? By the Holy Spirit. So that's, it. that's interesting. The, the church sent them, the Holy Spirit sent them. So the Holy Spirit uses the church to send them. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So the Spirit was the captain of this trip. He was, they were directing them in, in every direction. In verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So the, the strategy was to, to get first to the synagogues because they, they, they were, uh, the Jews were there, they were his people, and he felt an obligation with his people. It's like when he said in Romans uh, 1, 16, that the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for those who believe, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So, so he, felt, he felt compelled always to present the gospel to his fellow Jews. So that was his strategy because they knew uh, their Bibles well. And also we were told that they had, they had John to assist them. So who was this John? This is uh, John Mark, okay? 
that he was a cousin of Barnabas, and he, they were traveling there. I mean, maybe he got excited, okay, we're going to be in this missionary trip. I'm going to assist them. I'm going to help them. So they went. So let's see what happened in this first stop. Verse 6, when they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul, and sought to hear the word of God. So there are some things that we see here. First, that there's some people who will be open to God's word. Because you see, this, this Sergius Paulus, he said... He sought to hear the word of God. And I think this is very encouraging. Why? Because sometimes we think that nobody is interested in what we have to say. So we think, oh, nobody's going to care about this. But, but this is telling us there are people out there that want to hear the word of God. So it's, 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 they're waiting for people like you and me to go there and boldly start talking about the gospel of Jesus. So we, people will be open. And I think that's, that's amazing. And some people also will oppose God's word. We, we know that. In verse 8, uh, this bar Jesus that it was mentioned before, this magician. Okay, when we think about magicians, we, you know, maybe he got a hat and a rabbit out of the hat. It was nothing like that. It was more like, a, uh, it was more like a, a somebody who was in, uh, counseling these Sergius Polos. Because if you were a, a Roman uh, governor or something, you, you needed to have uh, the, those kind of wise men and sorcerers in your court. And look at his name. His name was Bar-Jesus. What, what does that mean? Well, those mean like son of the Lord saves was his name. But he was a false prophet. Why? Well, we, we get in verse 8. But, but Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So look what he was doing. He was trying to stop this man to listen to the word. Why was he opposing? Well, because he understood that if, if, if he believed in the gospel, his, his means of life were about to end. So it was more about pride. It was more about materialism. Because if Paul was right, he then will lose his income. So he said, okay, no, 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 no. You don't have to listen to those guys. There's always a spiritual war when we share the gospel. And we, we need to acknowledge that. And we, we, and we need to be ready for it. So what happened? Verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. So you can picture that, like that, that look. You know? In verse 10. And said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and violence. Will you, will you not stop making crude the straight paths of the Lord? So, we see here, it said, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, with this look on him, say, you son of the devil. And when we read stuff like that, say, okay, can we do that too, pastor? Come on. <laughs> Sometimes I want to do that with some people and call them, you son of the devil. No, no, it's, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that, right? <laughs> he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, it was something that the Lord directed him to do at that moment. And we need to understand this. And, and I think this is a very important point when you're reading Acts. Sometimes uh, when we read Acts, we want to understand that they are describing things. Sometimes they're not like, not everything is like, okay, you're going to do the same. I don't know if I'm making sense in my English right now. But that's, that's, that's one of the important things. So, you remember what was his name is supposed to be Bar-Jesus? But, but 
Paul tells, no, you're not a son of the Lord save. You're a son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Full of deceit. Remember what Jesus told about those who, um, who causes people to fall away? Who causes people to stumble? He said it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the deeps of the sea. So the Lord doesn't treat lightly with people who oppose the gospel and to make people stumble upon the people who is sharing the gospel. So it's not a light thing. So Paul uh, told with Nadir, and in verse 11, see what happened. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. So this punishment was appropriate because he wanted to make darkness light. And it is a foretaste of what will happen to those who refuse to bow before King Jesus. We will have opposition. The devil one will always be in the culture. And when we speak the gospel, that's going to happen. But we can show this world that the grace of God is sufficient to sustain us. Even in the midst of all this opposition. Because opposition is an opportunity to show the world that his grace is sufficient. And also we need to remember, we do not go alone. When opposition comes, it does not always mean that we are in the wrong place. It doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong necessarily. Because remember, who led Jesus to the desert in Matthew 4 and Luke 4? It was the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we're led by this. I mean, and we see that all of these trips and all, all the places that Paul went, he was lead, led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was the one who put him there. The Holy Spirit was with them. Even in, in, the, in, in receiving all this opposition. So it's going to be like that with you and me. Sometimes there are going to be uh, people and places and stuff that they're not going to be happy with what you have to say. But we say it anyway. We must speak boldly. And we need this story to encourage us in our witness. To have this unshakable confidence in the gospel. Because we need to remember it's not about us. I mean, the power does not reside in us, in our ability to speak or in our ability to present things, but it's the God who saved. And you have to remember this also. It requ- I mean, I don't know how, how your testimony is, but it took somebody to share the gospel, to boldly proclaim it, for you to be sitting here. And we need to do that as well. We need to maintain an unshakable confidence in the Spirit's power to overcome obstacles and to open people's hearts to the gospel. So there will be opposition, but you know what? Some people will embrace God's word. And we see that in verse 12. Then the proconsul, what did he do? Believed. When he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The first convert in the island of Cyprus in this missionary journey was this proconsul. He was like a governor. He was an important man. And sometimes we don't believe oh, those kind of people. No, no, no. Maybe the Lord was already working in his heart. Maybe he was already tired of all this power and all this money and all the stuff that he understood he wasn't, that was not able to fulfill his life or to satisfy him at all. And he was eager for someone to speak the word to him. And when that happened, he believed. He believed. So you see how our proclamation can be used by the Lord to do things that we can't even imagine. To save people that sometimes we believe are so out of reach. 
But when we boldly do it and take the risk, oh, the Lord can do mighty things through you. Mighty things through you. So let's see what happened in their second stop. And there's not much going on in this second stop, but it's, there's something interesting. Verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Pergia in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So the highlight here is that John left them. <laughs> uh, and this is the only piece of information that Luke gives us about this stop. So we don't know what happened. I mean, maybe John Mark was excited when the trip uh, began. Maybe when you get excited about some plan. Okay, well, let's do it. It's excited. But when you're in the middle of it, oh, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> what am I doing here? Come on. So maybe that happened to John Mark when he started to see the opposition going and all the, the things happening. And Paul didn't took that well. Didn't sell well with him, you know. In, chap in Acts 15:38, it says, But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. They're talking about John Mark. And had not gone with them to the war. So Paul saw this abandonment as unjustified. Perhaps John Mark was afraid, you know. Uh, so he had this moment of, of weakness, you know, talking about John Mark. He left. He left them. He left them. But the good news is that John Mark ended up well. Because we have in 2 Timothy 4, 11, we have... Uh, Paul saying, Luke along is with me, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So when I was meditating on that, it's like, okay, sometimes we feel like, okay, I, I've made mistakes, I, I, don't, I don't see. So, but look how John Mark made this mistake and then was used powerfully. How do we know that he was used powerfully? Well, when you open your Bible in the New Testament and you see the gospel of Mark, you see who wrote, you know who wrote that? This guy, the guy who abandoned them. So even if we, you know, have been you through bad moments or maybe we're, we feel we're not doing it right, that's not the end of our story. Yeah. The Lord still can take us and use us yeah. and restore us. That's, that's amazing. So he had a great future. And, and this also tells us that, you know, conflicts happen even in church. You know, we know that. I know you know. It happens all over the world. But we can resolve them. With the help of our Lord. So you see that the, we can be encouraged by the example of John Mark. That even he, though he left them there, he then later was used by the Lord. So let's see the third stop. This is kind of the longest uh, one of them. Uh, in verse 14. But they went on Perga and came to Antioch of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So they, it's pretty clear. They went into the synagogue. They sit down. And the synagogue services went something like this. They began uh, with the Shema, uh, the hear, O Israel, the Lord, your God is one. And they will read from the law and the prophets, and they prayed some pre-established prayers, and then they will give an explanation of what was read. So sometimes they will choose uh, a visiting rabbi, if it was around, like in Luke 4, 16, 21, we see Jesus doing that in the synagogue. When they, they, they give him the scroll and he reads and he starts explaining and he say, okay, this scripture is now being fulfilled in front of you. So in verse 15, uh, in, in Acts 13, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, to Paul saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. I think that's amazing. So this opportunity, like they're giving him the mic, you know. 
So that's going to happen to us too, and we better be ready. <laughs> we better be ready. Yeah, that's, that's the reason that we need to, I mean, when we talk about, you know, evangelism and sharing the gospel, yes, that's right that we need to be ready, but we don't need like a full semester class. I don't think you need that. And let me tell you why. We evangelize all the time with the things we love. Did you watch this movie? Oh, man, it was amazing. Did you go to that restaurant? The thing that they served there? Oh, so good. You need to try that. So we share about the things that excite us the most, right? So we need some excitement about the gospel. So we're going to be able to share it. That's what I'm telling you. You don't need a class for that. You know how to share things that excite you. So we need to be excited about the gospel and to and, you know, and as I told you at the beginning, stop with the fear. Stop with the, oh, this is going to make things awkward. It doesn't matter because these are eternal things, you know. A little bit of awkwardness is all right. If the Lord could use that to raise somebody from the dead, that will be our privilege. So we have this moment here. Paul is about to preach, you know, and he's going to give such a great sermon. And we're going to just take a, little, a look about Take a look about what he's going to preach. And his message is simple. It's like Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Yeah. And he has come to give forgiveness and freedom. Yeah. That's pretty much his sermon, but yeah. we're going to read it. <laughs> Let's see his introduction. Uh, verse 16. So Paul stood up, motioning with his hand. So this is our justification to move our hands in the pulpit, you know. Paul did it first. <laughs> so, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of these people, the God of these people, Israel chose or fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with a lifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about uh, 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. So, you see, the Paul is just doing a summary of the scripture, like the, like the story of the Bible. The Lord, and he's telling them, like, okay, the Lord was the one guiding their history. He chose them. He made the people great. He put up with them. He gave them judges. You see, he's talking about what God has been doing throughout all history. Verse 22. And when, we had when, and when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offering, God has brought to Israel a savior. Jesus has he promised. So he's saying, okay, look, the Lord has been done all this through our history, and now he has brought to Israel a savior, as he promised. And then he talks a little bit about, about John the Baptist, you see, and how John the Baptist testified that Jesus is, is the Lord. And in the center of this sermon is the proclamation of Christ's death and resurrection. Let's see, verse 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. You see what he's saying there? Okay, they read the Bible every weekend, and they didn't get it. That's what he's saying, pretty much. Okay? Fulfill them by condemning him. 
And though they found him, and, and though they found him not guilty, worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And now he proclaims the resurrection. Verse 13. But God raised him from the dead. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So Paul is telling them that the identity of Jesus has been confirmed by his resurrection, that he proved that his work is enough. That he is the fulfillment of every prophecy. Yeah. And with, with, with every good sermon, in, in that moment, it came the part of the application. Like this, so what, Paul? Okay, Lord did all this, so what do we have to do? Well, verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed. From everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Some other versions said in, in verse 39, everyone who believes is justified through him. From everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So he's telling them that now for you, there is complete forgiveness available. Justification. And, and we need to think about that. I mean, justification, it's not that you go from negative to, to neutral, but you go from negative to positive. And that's amazing. It's not like, oh, okay, you're forgiven and that's it. But now we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's amazing. That's amazing. So justification means uh, that we are righteous has if you always obeyed in your whole life. That's that's an incredible benefit that we have in the gospel. And this is the best news. You know, people do many things trying to, to calm their consciences. They try to, to, to shed their blood. Have you ever seen that? Those religious uh, rituals when they, they put in their backs. And they're trying to climb a lot of stairs and do whatever is available to try to calm that in their minds. And some people in Israel was, was having that issue too with the law of Moses. They want to do things, but they knew and they felt it was never enough. And then Paul is saying to them, hey, but this Jesus who was raised from the dead, if you believe in him, you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. He shed his blood. So that we don't have to shed ours. You can have total forgiveness and total freedom. And as we know, there, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how can anybody receive this? Well, Paul just tell them, everyone who believes. But we remember what Paul tells us in Romans 10 about that. Right? In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be safe. It's like saying, everyone who believes in the Lord will be saved. But then he said, but how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's for us. And how are they to preach unless they're sent? How is this reading? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good 
news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I was reminded now reading this, uh, when we see that how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You see, in, in ancient times, when the, the army went to war, the ones who left in town were like the older ones, children, the women. And they were always, you know, waiting for news. Waiting for news. What's going to happen? Because if they lost, they're probably going to be slaves of some other nation. So they're always expecting, you see. So it was that time when, when the messenger came running, you know. They can see him from afar. So they came running and, and running and running until he get close enough to say, We won! We won! There's, now there's a hope. So that's the picture Paul is using. How beautiful are the feet who can tell everybody, oh, we're not going to be a slave no more. Yeah. We have victory. We won. Yeah. That's the good news, the gospel. And we are called to be those ones with those beautiful feet, <laughs> you see, who preach those good news. And then Paul gave them a warning. Coming back to Acts 13, 40. After that, he, he, he said to them, Beware, therefore, lest what is saying the prophets shall come about. Look, you scoffers, be of son and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a word that you will not believe, even if one tells, you, tells it to you. Then, then there's different reactions after this preaching. So, and this is, this is helping us see that we know not everybody's going to answer the same way. It's going to respond the same way. But we forget... And I, I need to emphasize this again. There's going to be people who are going to respond in a good way. And for those, we need to press on. And for those, we need to pray and persevere. It's going to be like that. And we see in verse 30, uh, 43. And, they, and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and the both converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So this follow, it's not like they were like, oh, what are you going to do next? And no, no, no. It wasn't like that. They follow it in the sense that they believe. Who, as they spoke with them, used them to continue in the grace of God. In verse 44, the next Sabbath, and I love this, almost the whole city. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have that problem here in Titusville? Like, it's the whole city is trying to get into the church. Whoa. I would love to have that, that kind of trouble. Oh, yeah, it will be a logistical mess, you know. <laughs> but I would love it. So if we take up all the opportunities that the Lord gave us, Oh, we can, see, we can see things like that. Sometimes we, we, oh, that was for that time, you know. No, no, the Lord can do it again for our city. We, we need to press on. So, but when the Jews saw the crowds, and this, okay, again, this is the people who knew their Bibles. I mean, they knew about their Bibles. They read it, and they were the ones who were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So, why did they start to contradict him? Because, okay, we can they were thinking, why we don't have this kind of crowd? You see? So the thing that they just wanted people there to say, oh, look how many people I can gather. It was all about them. But we need to remember this. We don't, we don't share the gospel because it's about us. And because how many people we can gather to ourselves, like we were the center of a thing. Oh, we're not. Oh, we are not. We need to learn to say with John the Baptist, I must decrease. He must increase. But sometimes we think... He must increase, and I can increase a little with him. <laughs> no, it's not about that. We <laughs> must decrease. Yeah. So he can increase because then later we, because sometimes uh, some of the things that happen in churches, 
or because of jealousy. But we are a team, brothers. We are a family. We're all aiming to the same goal. Then our Lord be, be known. His name be exalted in our, in our town. Right? So, and they rebelled him, and Paul tell them, okay, we're going to the Gentiles now. It's, it's your fault. You're not receiving this. So in verse 48, and when the Gentiles hear this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. So you see, there's people who are going to rejoice. And as many as were appointed to eternal life, believe. Oh, don't you love that verse? I mean, what they say about the, the, the sovereignty of God. So there's people already appoint to eternal life and we need to be encouraged of that fact that out there you're here right out there there's people appoint to eternal life yeah. and, and and they're just waiting although they don't know but they're waiting for people like you and me to go there and share the good news there's there's hope there's hope for you and then in verse 49, and the war of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Oh, don't you love to see that? Amen. The war of the Lord is spreading, spreading like a, like a seed. And this is how the chapter ends in verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout woman of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook up the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, uh, just in the midst of all the, I mean, they were kicked out, basically. That's what you just read. They just get out of here. But in the midst of all that, they were disciples filled with joy. Because you see, our joy transcends anything that is happening around us. Although sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but it's true. Because our joy is an eternal one. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, I'm just going to give you a, a couple of points of application. You see, we, when I read about these Jews, it's possible to know about the Bible and not being saved. And we need to be careful for that not to be our case. It's like the Lord Jesus said in John 5:39, You search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. It's like, okay, if you read it right, you will know it's about me. You will know it's about me. So if you're not a believer, I will just encourage you. Believe. Believe in Jesus Christ today. Don't put that in along like, okay, maybe in, uh, in, in another stage of my life. You don't know if you're going to be there. Trust in the Lord today. Today is the day of salvation. And for us, believers, brothers and sisters of Trinity Unity Church, let us participate with joy in God's mission. Be ready to share. And even if we face opposition, remember the Lord is with us. And we have the privilege. Oh, we have the privilege to be participants of what He is doing here. And He can use you. You, you, you right there. With everything you are, you can be an amazing tool in God's hand. Just be ready. I, I pray that the Lord put that desire in your heart to just, you know, overcome the awkwardness, overcome the fears, and just, I'm going to share with my brother. I'm going to share with my dad. I'm going to share with my family. I'm going to share with my friends because I want them to be safe. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you 
for your word. Thank you for the encouragement we receive for them. And because we are reminded about how wonderful it is to participate in what you're doing. Oh, just to think about you using us to reach people. Oh, Lord, thank you for, give us, for giving us the privilege to participate in your mission. So give us the, the courage, give us the joy, help us pray about that, help us, oh Lord, to overcome all the obstacles that we sometimes put in front.